pull up and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Say, never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God one more big praise today. He's worthy. Amen. How many of you guys enjoying that cool, brisk weather out there? Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? That'll wake you up. Just step outside. Praise God. Well, you know, at this time of year, uh, it's just good to begin to focus on wrapping up and getting ready. God's taken us to a new place. Amen. Not just because we're beginning a new year, but I believe it's God's desire. I think God loves us right where we are, but too much to leave us here. I think God wants us to change and to grow and to experience new levels of joy and peace and victory and hope. God has something new for you. I think most of us could quote John 10.10, but we're going to look at it. And it says, the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The Amplified Bible says, I have come that you might have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. We're talking about a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life that Jesus has come to connect you to. It's a wonderful life that Jesus has come to make available to you. This morning, I want you to consider for just a few moments, what if, just a what if, what if God, who created everything, who's in charge, who knows what he's doing, who's got the big picture, who who can make things happen, what if God has orchestrated everything in your life to get you here just today, so he could just tell you, I love you. What if this was all about you? You know, sometimes I think we get so hurried and so rushed that we go through life, and even as Christians, as believers, we, we, we get caught up in the, in the pace, and we forget that there's a purpose even for this meeting. You know, it's not to sing two fast songs and three slow songs and take up an offering and make some announcements and, you know, head off to lunch. God has a bigger plan than to bring us all together to make sure the pipes don't freeze. God's got a purpose that's larger and and, and, and broader than you just hooking up with somebody who can get you a good deal if you ever walk into their business. God has a plan, and I believe his purpose is to reach into our lives and to change us. You know, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a holy sacrifice unto God. That's the least that you can do. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to create a transformational experience in your life. When we become believers, we should have a, an experience that changes everything. Maybe not all at once. That would be too shocking. We probably couldn't handle that kind of shift. We wouldn't know what to do, how to act, how to... We, we just couldn't deal with ourselves. But there's a process of change that God's guiding us through. And He's wanting to change us. 
I think God wants to change you today. I believe God desires to change me. I think that God doesn't want us to experience another year just like last year. He wants us to have an even greater experience. Last year, we began to talk at the beginning of the year that this was going to be the greatest year that you've ever had. And most of us can testify this has been a crazy good year. Right in the midst of, of financial stress and chaos and all of the crisis that was going on. Here we are. We are blessed. We are increased. We are strengthened. We've got more joy than we've ever had. Come on, somebody. God has been good. Look at your neighbor and say, God's been good to you. Amen. I mean, if you don't believe it, just look at who you're sitting by. God has been good to you. As I begin to pray about the upcoming year, God's been talking to me about that His desire is to create great change in us. Great change. I believe that at the end of this coming year, that God wants us to be totally different than we are right now. That God wants us to be radically changed. You know, I think a lot of us are under the impression we just, we just need a little adjustment. Trust me. You need radical change. Amen? I, I need radical change. I don't need a little adjustment. I need some real work to be done in my life. And God wants to do it. Hello, somebody. I said, God wants to do it. And, you know, sometimes I think that, make, you know, that can make you feel like, well, well what's wrong with me? I, I don't know about you, but that's exactly how I felt when God started talking to me about radical change. I'm like, what's up with radical change? I thought I was pretty good. You know, uh, I don't want to be arrogant, but I would like to walk in great confidence. I'm thinking this is pretty good. And God's smiling. He said, well, I know you want to change Shelby and Evan, Stephen. TJ, no doubt. God's like, no, Tom, I want to change you. Can, can you accept the fact today that God wants you to change for the better? He has a better life, a more wonderful life for you. He's come that you might have life in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. We don't have to accept an ordinary, mundane, boring life. God has a great life to produce in you. Somebody say amen. I think we need to begin to believe God for a collision with the unexpected. That you would have a collision with the unexpected. Not that you would just get what you've been believing for, but that God would go exceedingly above and beyond anything that you could even ask or think. That beyond your wildest dreams, that life would begin to explode in you, around you, through you. That you would experience Zoe life, God life, eternal life, that it would be at a level that you've never known before. And the fact of the matter is, is that we've been set up by God for great success in this arena. Look at Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. For to us, a child is born. 
to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, at this time of year, we hear this all the time. To us a child is born, a son is given, the government's upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Not could be, or here's a great suggestion, but his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. you got to understand something about Old Testament. The Old Testament, a name is everything. The character of a thing, the power of a thing, the position and authority of a person or thing is described and determined by the name. When God gives something a name, it means something. I mean, you and I, we call each other all kinds of stuff. It don't mean nothing. You know, hey, Bubba, what's up? You know, and, and it doesn't mean anything. But if God ever calls you Bubba, you're going to find out what a Bubba is. Okay? There's power in God's voice calling a name. He said, let there be light and darkness evaporated in the presence of light. Well, God said his name shall be called and it set up the life and character and destiny and purpose of Jesus. Today, we're just going to look at one of these names. Wonderful Counselor. Everybody say, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. That's Jesus. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful. Wonderful. Remember that song? His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. His name is wonderful. You know what the word wonderful means? It's the Hebrew word pela. It means beyond understanding to marvelous for words. Man, you've got something in your life, Jesus, that is too marvelous for words. You can't even describe how good God is. Now remember, what if God orchestrated everything just to get us here today so that we begin to understand how good God is? It's too marvelous for words. He's a wonderful counselor. The word counselor means one who advises or consults or guides. The Hebrew language actually describes it this way, an advisor, guide, or counselor that is amazing beyond understanding or description. An advisor, a guide, or counselor that is amazing beyond understanding or description. I want us to understand that Jesus wants to participate in our life on a daily basis, that God wants to be relevant to you Every day. And that he has set you up with a marvelous, wonderful, beyond description counselor. A guide who knows all, sees all, understands all to speak into your life. And if the enemy can keep us so busy that we don't recognize who's on our side, we might not actually take advantage of the wonderful counselor that's been gifted into our life. Unto us, a child is given. 
It's a gift. A gift is something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. It, It's not something you earn. It's something that you receive. I could buy you a gift this year. Probably not going to, but I could. And I could wrap it up and put it in a bow and hand it to you. And you could load it up in the car and take it home and throw it in the closet. And you could walk around town telling everybody, Pastor gave me a gift. But it wouldn't do you any good until you took it out of the box, unwrapped it, found out what it was. Just does it fit? Does it work? Does it require batteries? Is there some assembly required? You know, is there a postage due? You know, is something. You got to look at the gift. I think we've received a gift that many of us have not really taken time to even consider. You don't understand how well this fits your Live, your current situation. You don't realize that the assembly that is required, he's willing to do. We have a marvelous gift, a wonderful counselor. We didn't do anything to deserve it, but we got it. And he's ready to speak into your life. You know, I can remember times when God has spoken to me. Many of you have moments when God has spoken to you, life-shaking moments. You know, I, I remember one time at pretty early age, at, what was I, mom, seven, eight years old in Coquille, Oregon. My dad, when we were, when we were just kids and we were traveling around and uh, my brother was nine years older than I uh, am. And so, uh, you know, he got away sooner than I did. But uh, uh, we, we, we would travel. My father, if we didn't have a church to go to, we'd just pull into a city and pull up to the sidewalk and get out of the car and set up on the street and have church. You know, seven-year-old playing the guitar. My sister was nine. She'd be singing. My brother, if he was still there, you know, he, you know, he'd be playing. And pretty soon a crowd would come around. We, we'd stop at restaurants at truck stops. And we'd always go to the back booth. But we'd take our instruments in and start singing in the back. The reason we went to the back booth is in case they kicked us out, we could sing all the way to the front door. And, uh, uh, you know, well, he, or he'd preach. But we'd, he'd get a crowd, and, and he'd let the crowd begin to gather. And when it got about right, he'd step out of the shadows, and he'd start preaching. We'd just have street meetings everywhere we went. That's how we grew up. That was life. You know, that was just normal. I thought everybody did that. And uh, seven years old, we were in Coquille, Oregon, and we were on the street. And uh, my dad would preach, and there was some response, and he was praying for people. And there was a guy that had been standing back there in, in the back. And w- when it was all over, he came up to my father, and they visited and kind of found out he pastored a little country church there in town. And he had invited us to his church for, uh, you know, to hold some meetings. And, you know, and we're, we're just a small church, and we don't have any money. And, boy, i got to tell you something, that was the truth. Everybody in the church was on government sustenance, so they had been given uh, velvet. Vita cheese and tuna fish, and, uh, and, and to take care of the evangelist, they decided that everybody should sign up, and, and somebody take them for lunch every day, and somebody take them for dinner every day, so for 10 days, twice a day, we had cheese and tuna. I, apparently, we had enough of it, but um, in those meetings, I, I remember there was a girl, they carried her in, she had metal braces on her legs, and they put her on the back row, and her mom came up and played the piano. And Every night, I'd tell my dad, I want to pray for that little girl, seven or eight years old, I, I just wanted to pray for her, she's about my age, and I don't know why, or, or, or anything about that, there's just something in me, just as a kid, I just wanted to pray for her. Finally, on Friday night, my father asked, and they brought her up after service, and they laid her on the platform, and as I prayed for her, it took four men to hold her down, she was thrashing around, and, and uh, when I got done praying, I said, amen, they picked her up. 
up and hauled her off. My dad took me home and sat me on his lap and he said, son, are you okay? And, and I never could, you know, it took me years to figure out why he was so worried that night. He looked, he looked scared to death. Are you all right? I don't know what he thought I was expecting, but all I knew was I was supposed to pray for. Well, on Sunday morning, they brought all the children up to the front and they had what they call a tin pan band. They had pie plates and pots and pans and they bang them together and sing Jesus loves me. And I was a seven year old that played the guitar and that drew quite a crowd. So I had to play with them while they beat on their pans and, and, uh, and they, and they had what they call a penny march. And, uh, they, you know, and the boys on one side and the girls on the other and boys were competing against the girls trying to raise money for something. Prosperity church, pennies. And here, here they come and, and, uh, uh, in the middle of Jesus loves me, that little girl rolled over on her stomach and she pushed herself off to the end of the end of the row and she come walking down the center aisle. First step she had ever taken. My mom's here today. She can testify. The church just went nuts. Mom sold real estate and everybody's screaming for a camera. And she ran out to the car, had a camera in the car. She's going to get pictures of the girl walking. And, and boy, I got to tell you something. They were having church all of a sudden. My world went slow motion. I saw that little girl coming down the aisle real slow, and I saw my mom running slow motion out the back door. And I heard a voice say to me, you'll work for me the rest of your life. It's the first time I heard God actually speak to me. It might not have been audible, but i got to tell you something. I thought everybody in the house had to hear that. And, but, you know, there have been times that God has spoken to my life, and it wasn't quite as dramatic, but it was much more vital. There have been moments in my life, and I'm sure in yours, when that still small voice of God was giving you direction, insight, revelation, and understanding. Might not, in your opinion, have been life-shaking. Might not have been one of them moments when angels were doing a river dance in the driveway. But that instruction was so vital to your life and to your success. Could have made a real difference had you obeyed it. Hello? Hello? Come on, guys. How many of you know that there have been times when God's tried to speak to us, and you and I both know we don't always do it. We don't always receive it. He's a wonderful counselor. That don't mean we receive his counsel. I know a lot of people who go to great financial counselors. They don't do anything they say, but they go. I know a lot of people that hear wonderful counsel, don't apply any of it, but they listen. Pay a lot of money to go to a conference or to a seminar. Doesn't change anything except they've made a great financial investment. Here we are. We have Jesus who sent his spirit. He said, if I go away, I'm going to send back to you the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, the intercessor. The Holy Spirit's going to come take my place. And now instead of just hanging with me, he's going to dwell inside every one of you. That wonderful counselor. All of us have. If you're in Christ today, hear me. The wonderful counselor, an advisor who is so awesome, it defies description, is a part of your life. Surely, we're not going through life on a daily basis without receiving from the wonderful counselor. Surely, we listen. Matthew eighteen twenty, It says, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Do you realize he's here right now? He's here today to give insight and revelation, to, to make a difference in your life, to tell you this is the way. Walk ye in it. To 
tell you, hey, he came and spoke today. I love you. I like you. That's pretty good news right there, guys. God likes you. Some of us are faking. But God loves you with a never-ending love. He cares about you. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You realize that when Jesus came, he came with a purpose. He came with a mission. He came, and I believe he's pretty successful. But what did he come for? Look at Luke chapter 5, verses 31, 32. It says, Jesus answered them and said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Look at verse 32. Verse 32 says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, if Jesus came for us, does that suggest that we have need of repentance? I, I, you know, I think a lot of us are looking for relief. What we need is repentance. I think that what a lot of us need to understand is that if Jesus came for us, there are areas of our life where sickness resides where we're unhealthy, where it's not the way it should be, the way it could be. Why should we settle for that? I think that God's here today to tell us, hey, I'm here to make a difference in you, but you have to admit you need a difference made. What will really release the power of God to operate in your life? How about the awareness of your great need for God to move in you? I think Isaiah 61 where he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel, of the good news to the poor, the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of prison and of the eyes to those who are bound. He came to minister to hurting people. And sometimes, maybe, maybe it's the faith teaching that we have. Maybe it's a mentality that we possess. But we don't want to admit how desperately we need God's participation. We need to understand that if we can't recognize our own sickness, it's hard for God to come and heal it. Today, I just want you to have an opportunity to breathe a little bit and to realize that it's okay to admit I need God in my life. Not so that, you know, that, that I make it to heaven. I'm not talking about fire escape. I'm talking about the ability to walk in divine health, the ability to be made whole, to be made whole again, brand new. If any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are fresh and new. I think God wants to make us new, whole, healthy, restored, refreshed, revived. But we have to be willing to say, I'm hurting. I'm messed up. I've got an issue. I've got a problem. God, you gotta, you gotta help me. I need your help. I think there's healing that the wonderful counselor comes to bring. And we gotta be ready to receive it. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm here. I want to give you just three things real quick that will help you receive from the wonderful counselor. Some things that maybe, maybe we do or don't do, but we need to be sure that we're aware of. I think, number one, that we have to be brutally honest with the counselor. Brutally honest. Look at John 4, verses 16 and 17. John 4 Remember the woman at the well and Jesus talking to her and he told her, go, call your husband and then come back. And look at what she said to him. She said, I don't have a husband. She is brutally honest. 
I don't have one. You know what? That takes some great courage to just be honest with God. You have an enemy that wants you to cover up. Realize that in the gardens where this all started. Remember Adam and Eve? They only had one rule to follow. They messed that up. Then what's the first thing they did? They started sewing fig leaves together. What's that? The great cover-up. We're going to start covering things up. And then when they were confronted, what they do? They started blaming each other and everything. It wasn't me. It was her. It wasn't. No, it wasn't me. It was the snake. It was, and blame comes on the scene. Blame and cover-up. Causes paradise to unravel. It's one of the oldest tools of the enemy that he's ever used. And you and I need to recognize that when we try to hide it, God can't heal it. God sent us a healer. We might want to admit we needed it. That we're in need of it. Check this out. Psalms 55, 22. This is a great verse. Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. And he will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. What a great verse. If you're going to memorize a scripture this week, take this one on. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. You don't need to carry that any longer. That thing that, that's on you, that's causing you to, to, to not really have breakthrough in your life. How about you let go of that? Release the weight of it. God is not going to allow the righteous, those who are living right, God's way, to be moved or made to slip, to fall, or to fail. This is great news, guys. God wants to release the weight that you carry. You know, in Isaiah 9, when it says, wonderful counselor, it goes on and talks about the prince of peace, the czar of peace. You know, the, pre the prince of peace, the one who's in charge of peace, he can not only... Bring peace into any situation. He can also withdraw peace from any situation. Maybe the lack of peace in your life will cause you to press into God and realize that I'm carrying some things I shouldn't be carrying. I'm doing everything that God's word tells me to do, not seeing the product that I'm supposed to see. Why? Well, could it possibly be that you're not being honest with God? That you're trying to hide some things inside of you that desperately needs to be dealt with. I mean, where are you sick? Oh, I, I feel fine. No, where are you sick? Is it depression? Is it hopelessness? Is it stress? Is it materialism? Or maybe financial issues? Or family tension? Or anger? Or loneliness? Or addiction? Relationships? Intimacy? Maybe it's fear. Where are you sick? Where can you go to God and say, God, here's my issue. This is me. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need you to strengthen me with an inner strength so that I can demonstrate Satan's defeat in this area of my life. I pretended like it wasn't there and called it faith. Isn't it funny how many of us do that? Well, I, I just don't have that. I, that, that's not, that fear, I, I, I'm, that's not, that's not my fear. I don't walk in fear. Well, you know, you might want to walk in wisdom and get honest with God. That right now, that thing is fear in my life. And I know that you haven't given me the spirit of fear, but, but of power and love and a sound mind. So God, I'm going to come to you now and I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to get honest with you. Fear's present. I'm going to need your help to walk that thing to the door of my life and say goodbye. How about we become brutally honest with God? Number two, how about we listen to the counselor's voice? Mark 9, 7. Mark 9, verse 7, it says, A cloud threw a shadow upon them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, 
my most dear, worthy, beloved one. Be constantly listening to and obeying him. Listen, my beloved son. Listen, my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to the counselor's voice. You know, Jesus said, John 10, 27. We'll put that one up for you, too. The sheep that are mine, they hear and are listening to my voice. I know them. They follow me. You know, as a Christ follower, you ought to have the ability to hear the voice. Well, I've never heard God talk. Maybe it's time you slow down long enough to listen to God direct your life. That inner, still, small voice giving you direction. We need to listen to the voice. Number three, we need to do what he tells us to do. Mark 10, starting in verse 20. Can we go to verse 20? He replied to them, Teacher, I've guarded and observed all these things. Remember the, the rich young ruler. Look at everything that I've done and, and taken care not to violate any of those things from my childhood. Look at verse 21. Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. When he told him, take everything that you've got and go give it away. Oh, man, he goes away sad. But Jesus, look at what it says, looking upon him, loved him. Can I tell you today that Jesus, looking upon you, loves you. He loves you. He sees your lack, but He still loves you. You might as well admit it. I've got an issue. God already knows. He still loves you. I love that. Jesus, looking upon Him, loved Him. Loved Him. And said, because He loves you, He'll talk to you. He'll talk to you. He'll lead you into the health that you really need. We have a wonderful counselor. We need to listen to his voice. How do I get started? How do I begin to hear the voice of God? How do I begin to produce the changes in my life that God wants to produce? Let me give you three more things real quick. Number one, ask these three questions. Jesus... What one thing do you wish to change in me today? How about we take time and ask God, what do you want to change in me today? i got to tell you that as God began to deal with me and to lead me towards this, I was really thinking there must be a lot of people that really need to change. You know, I wish you guys would hurry up and change so that I, God would talk to me about something else. And then I realized that God was starting to get pretty personal. See, I thought God just wanted to deliver this message to Jeremy. Because I know how desperately Jeremy needs great change. That God started dealing with me and said, Tom, I'm, I'm talking to you. But what one thing do you wish to change in me? And I realized that God has a whole list. And it took him a while to narrow it down to one. What one thing today? Can you ask God? What one thing do you want to change in me today? I think the second question that we need to ask 
Jesus, what's keeping me from changing? How many of you know already one thing that God would like to change in you? What's keeping you from changing? What keeps me from walking in obedience to you, Lord? You do realize that every level of obedience that I step into brings me to a greater level of the production of God's promises. There's a greater level of anointing, a greater level of power. What is keeping me from really producing the change that I already know God wants to produce in me? Something's stopping me. What is it? What's keeping me from changing? The third question I think we need to ask is what one thing can I do today to begin that change? What can I do right now, God? Father, help me understand what I can do right now to start that change. Just a couple of thoughts as we close. What could our lives look like next year if we took time to ask these three questions every week? What could our lives look like if every week, do you realize the great change that could occur in us? A great change is just a bunch of little changes all put together. So each week, just one little thing that we allowed God to do. Can I challenge you? That as we move towards a new year, that you, one, open your eyes and realize you have a wonderful counselor. And the reason counsel is offered is because change is needed. If we didn't need counsel, he probably wouldn't have sent a counselor. Since he sent a counselor, we must therefore need counsel. If we need counsel, we probably are going to experience change. Can you imagine how great a change would occur in us if every week we allowed God to lead us, guide us, and to direct us into the truth of one area of our life, one little thing that we could be different in? At the end of the year, we'd be radically different. We've been asking God to change everything around us. And now God says, how about you let me change one thing in you? One, one thing. One thing. Look at your neighbor and say, one thing. You know, if you have trouble hearing God, ask the people sitting around you. They can give you four or five things you can change right now. We can come up with a long list. One thing. Last thought. If we allowed God to change one small element... Just one small element. How big of a difference would it really make? You know, just one small thing, as God begins to move in your life, can change everything. 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 Wouldn't it be weird to find out that the answer to the prayer that you've been praying for five years would be released when you allowed God to change in you one element of your life, that that would be the key that opened the door, that led you down the path, that delivered you to the place you've longed to be, because you allowed God to change one thing in you. God answering your prayer. All it takes is your obedience. I think it's time to tap into the wonderful counselor. Amen? Would you close your eyes and bow your head and let me pray for you? Are you here today separated from the love of God? Today, are you in need of real life? 